Hi team, welcome to another Tuesday night uh, Team CP Media Live podcast. Uh, we're here with uh, Jess in the studio with me tonight. We're going to be talking road cycling, uh, our road cycling special. We've got Michael Vink um, waiting backstage. We've got Julianne Simeonius, who has just finished the um, Five Passes Tour, and Kush the Holdaway, our resident dietitian, is going to catch up uh, with us as well and talk about some stuff in your back pocket so you can keep riding fast and enjoy your day out. So tonight's show is proudly brought to you by True Fleece Merino and Team CP, your endurance coaching specialists. So True Fleece, uh, one of our um, fantastic partners, and they've got everything that you need to keep you warm, basically. So we've got a fantastic little prize pack for, from them tonight to give away as a result of you giving up some feedback, etc. as the night goes on. Um, Jess, how are you getting on this evening? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm going well. Excited to be here. Nice work. And how's, how's, how's sunny Wanaka? What's been happening um, down your neck of the woods recently? Yeah, it's beautiful. Today. Um, yeah, just getting out there. I've actually just bought a new time trial bike myself on the road. So I'm super excited here tonight. Nice. Good, good, good. So, um, yeah, hopefully we might yeah. have a tip or two to help you go fast on that time trial bike or at least look yes. fast because that's part of the battle, isn't that's it? I'd, I'd love to look fast. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fantastic. So you're going to yeah. be keeping a bit of an eye on the um, comments as we go during the show and um, sussing out, yeah. so maybe throwing a few of those up uh, for that true fleece prize plate. Sure will. Yep. And nice so, what's, so what's the latest, Richard? How's it going with you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, coast to coast is my sort of key goal for the summer. Um, and I ended up playing tennis in the weekend. So probably not the exactly specific to that. My first competitive game of tennis since 1995 so that's a little <laughs> while ago uh, a little bit rusty for the start but managed to get into the swing of it towards the end so that was good yeah. fun uh but but like coast to coast running it's um it's quite good to move differently laterally uh and i did feel it the next mm -hmm. day or two afterwards so i don't think it was it was all uh lost so that was pretty cool and um yeah just just riding my bike trying to get out and about mix things up trying to just do a little bit of everything most days so um things are going not too bad yeah. at the moment Cool. Yep, so that should be good. And then also, yeah, got a paddle down the WiMAC uh, lined up for, uh, what's that, Thursday. So that should be pretty cool. And the weather's looking good as well. So good to, again, get out and have a bit of an adventure there. Fantastic. Yep. Um, the other thing actually going on is our Wednesday group rides have been um, fizzing lately. We're waiting to see um, Jules back there soon. We've had sort of <laughs> mid-30s or so people coming along. So really good numbers. Great to see lots of people yeah. on their road bikes um, having fun and, and challenging themselves, which is pretty cool. So so feel free to come along and, and get amongst that in the next uh, in the next little while. Other things that are going on, our Christmas party is coming up Wednesday, oh. 15th of December, and it also incorporates the World Bingo Championships. Um, have you ever been a world champion in anything, Jess? No, but um, at Bingo, I potentially could be. So I've got my fingers and toes crossed for this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hopefully you're doing some training, preparing well, and uh, it's all about reaction time and making sure you've got a good loud um, yes. bingo as, as it gets called. So I look forward to seeing you there in a couple of weeks' time. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. And uh, also last week, uh, we talked to the Jonathan Kennett and uh, we talked all things um, cycle touring effectively and, and, and mountain biking, etc. And we had an Evo oh. Cycles prize pack that we're going to give to Adam Parks uh, for his feedback around the show so well done adam well um there's a bit of a evo cycles um voucher coming your way which is pretty cool nice work so rolling through tonight give you a bit of an intro we've got uh michael vink so michael won the tour of southland he's uh 
Um, so he's going to join us to share what it takes to actually win New Zealand's toughest and most prestigious cycling event. So he's he's um, he's won, this is his third victory. He's got second last year and won the two years prior to that. So we're going to discuss how he trains, what he does for recovery during the tour, and some of the key moments that took place in this year's race. So we're going to kick off with that. Julianne, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, has just completed the iconic Five Passes Tour, which she took home the green jersey over the last four days. Only finished yesterday, so we're hot off the press with Jules and uh, pretty keen to discuss those yeah. sprints along with the, the 617 k's of riding plus almost 6,000 vertical metres um, that she did yeah. along the way and a variety of weather conditions that she... Uh, I was going to say, I heard that's been a rain. <laughs> That's right. Wouldn't be the West Coast without it and, and a good five passes exactly. too. And we're going to wrap up the show with Kushla around uh, nutrition for cycling as well. Brilliant. Exciting. Nice. Cool. Should we, Jess, shall we um, get Michael on the show? I think so. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good. great. Thanks, Michael. How are you, how are you getting on? How's the body? Not too bad, not too bad. Yes, seems like we're going to go the out and finish, but um, yeah, I'm still good to uh, go over things and, and share what I've sort of learned and done, so yeah. Nice, 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 good stuff. So um, we're going to get into the sort of nitty-gritty of the, the Tour of South and down the track, but pretty keen to get a bit more of a feel about Michael Vink and, and where you've come from and and what you do um, for and, and how you spend your time, etc. So give us a bit of background. Tell us about how you got into riding your bike fast and, and what were your key influences in the early years? Um, so I started definitely uh, from racing mountain bikes. I was one of those kids that was always out on a bike. I was never on sort of playstations or playing video games. I was always out till dark, sort of riding my bike around the local park and making jumps with the, my friends and things. And that was kind of it for me. And then um, through school, I was compulsory to choose a winter sport. And I thought, I like riding mountain bikes and that sort of thing. So we'll give road cycling a go. That can't be, that can't be too bad. And it was just from yep. there. So I started purely through, through schools racing. Yeah, nice. So what, how old were you then? Is that sort of 14, 15 to the range? Is that sort of where you were? Yeah, I'd say probably 14, uh, no, 15, 16, I'd say. Yeah, yep. 15, 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And your first tour oh, of yeah. Southam was when you were 17, is that right? Yeah, I believe it might have been 2009, 2009 I think it was. Okay, yep. Yeah, so we were yeah. now. Still remember it, but yeah. it seems like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so what sort of will you do? You get into it, and like actually, I love this, and I'm right into it, and, and I'm training heaps. So, how did that evolve for you? No, I, I hated it at first. I couldn't stand competitive nature of it because I always used to ride bikes on my terms. It was always about going out and having fun, and then all of a sudden I was racing and, and doing all this this competitive stuff, and I, I didn't like it. But of course, it was compulsory at school to the winter sports, so I just sort of sucked it up and, and got through it, and. It was probably a few months after one of the uh, seasons finished and it was just summertime here in Christchurch and I had nothing to do and I thought, oh, that, that, that road bike's looking pretty dusty. I'll, I'll pick that up and see if I can actually, what I can do for a training ride. And then I started doing a bit of training and then from there I sort of thought, you know, I've done 40Ks, now tomorrow I'm going to try and do 50Ks and then I'm going to try and do this, try and do a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And yeah, just sort of grew from there. So excellent. Accidentally started to do a bit of training. Um, 40, yeah, 50 guys much, young, yeah. well, that's actually getting, getting uh, a fair bit under your belt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was just a case of finding, a, I think, a local, there's a block around Horsville, I think it was, so I was maybe 10 k's out there, I'd go out and do a couple of blocks, and then the next day I'd try and do three blocks, and then four blocks, and then I'd go and try to go somewhere else, and 
I quite like the riding on my terms more than the, the racing side of it. And that was always the thing yep. for me. It was just I like riding my bike rather than the competitive nature. And I've always said I'm not someone that picked up the bikes. I wanted to win the Tour de France. I, I started riding because I, I just love the feeling of it. Yeah, nice. So, so did you have did you did, did you have anybody that sort of helped and supported you into that, or was it really actually I just rode my bike and kind of got into the swing of it with schools racing, etc. Is is that what happened, or did you have you must have had some people that supported you earlier on to sort of take that next step? Um, definitely, my parents have always been supported. You know, they've always helped with you know bikes, equipment, and things, and anything that I've I've needed in that respect. I've, I've been been really good with. Um, my dad would did a little bit of riding when he was when he was younger. Um, when we were kids. He was on the coast to coast a few times, and was just sort of a bit more of a weekend warrior type guy. But but him him he's Dutch, you see, so he came up grew up through a um, sort of a culture of people riding bikes, and over there it's massive. It's like rugby here, so. He knew a lot about riding and all of the names, you know, the Eddie Merckxes and that sort of thing. And and yeah, he he loved to see me on the bike with over two and every pressure. Yeah, nice, awesome, awesome. So so when did you actually turn pro as a cyclist? And um, so tell us a little bit about that journey. So and and what teams have you ridden for in the past? And <laughs> tell, give us a bit more information around that. Yeah, so the first time I signed a UCI contract would be with the Subway Avanti team. I think it was two thousand nine. Right. So they were sort of New Zealand's yeah. first actual UCI registered continental team. And they were really, really well run set up, really well run set up by the Godfreys. Um, Hayden Godfrey was the manager and then Jeannie and Barry Godfrey did a, did a lot of the work behind the scenes. And that was a team that really focused on the professionalism of the sport. It wasn't just about winning races. It was about, you know, the way you carry yourself and the way you represent your sponsors and the professionalism of everything. And that's certainly um, something that I've, I've taken into my to my lady years. It's not just about winning races and what you do on the bike. It's also about off your, off the bike. And that's where Subavanti was was really good. And that's I think you know, the great value of a development team is, is teaching riders not only to to race but also what to do when you get off the bike. Yeah, nice. So great fundamentals being sort of learnt there. And that is, yeah, great feedback for them. Sort of hearing from someone like yourself down the track. 10 12 years down the track that that's sort of how they sort of set you up so so other teams that you've ridden for in the in the past yeah so i've done i've done a few seasons in belgium i've done a few seasons in france i've done a season in america i've done a couple of seasons in australia so i've ridden for the likes of trick Livestrong. that's um the team run by axel Merckx, who's the son of eddie Merckx. so you know you don't get much sort of much bigger names than that. And then I've ridden for a few different Belgian, Belgian amateur teams and a couple of years for the Sojasun team in France. And I've ridden for the Budge Plus team in Australia for a couple of years. And um, yep. yeah, I've certainly been through a few different setups um, through my time and I've certainly taken a bit, a bit out of each one. So they've all been, been valuable. Nice. So what's happened with you with COVID and stuff? Like you're obviously sitting in Christchurch at the moment. Is that, that right? Yeah, that's How right. Is, yeah. 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 How does a pro cyclist make a living sitting in Christchurch? Obviously, you've got Tour of Southland, which is a big event, but obviously you need to do events. You need to be out there doing stuff. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's been pretty tough. I mean, things have been cancelled, and a lot of what I've, um, I've been doing has been relying on prize money and that sort of thing, and obviously that's been pretty pretty quiet. But, um, yeah, you, you certainly find other ways to, to make it work. Um, it's the same for everyone. Um, things are starting to get better, so Europe is, is getting back to normal pretty quickly. We're obviously a bit behind here in New Zealand, but um, if we can get over to Europe, then, then things will be fine. It's just looking like it'll, it'll be okay. And then obviously waiting for the, the Chinese side or the Asian side of racing to open up again because that's also where a lot of money can be made. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is that the next step to get back to Europe or to Asia or is that sort of... Yeah, definitely definitely no, Europe is my thing. I haven't, I haven't been to Europe for a number of years and I've, Europe's obviously the place to go if you want to become a professional cyclist and that's where the biggest teams are and the best races. So... 
haven't been over there in sort of probably five years now. And I've certainly had the best form of my career in those last five years. So it'll be really good to see what I can do over Europe with the legs that I've got at the moment. Yeah, good. So really just to go, okay, well, I'm in good shape. I've learned lots. I'm in much better. Let's go and see what I can actually do there. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, getting older as well. I just turned 30 yesterday. So it's now a never type thing for me. So it's, I guess, a bit of a last, a last chance and see, see what I can do. Also, even if it doesn't go anywhere, it's just nice to know that I've given it my best shot and I can actually do, do myself justice because I've never really had a year over in Europe that I've actually felt like I've got the most out of myself. So. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And being a bit older means you can just manage yourself, like you can look after yourself better and all those sorts of things. And having that that experience of being a professional, like you, you, it'd be really interesting just and exciting to see what you can actually achieve. Yeah, that, that I think the key thing is experience. And again, it's not just what you do on the bike, it's about off the bike as, as well and, and having that balance in your life and knowing when to sort of step back and take a rest day and knowing when you actually have to push and, and be disciplined. And I think balance is absolutely the key. But, you know, no, no one can tell you about balance is something that kind of really has to come from yourself and you have to be honest with yourself and, and, and really listen to your own feelings. And that's something that yep. certainly comes with experience. Yeah, that, that's, and it's good. So tell us about your training. Uh, what does that look like? What What does a Michael Vink sort of standard week look like? Like how, how much are you riding your bike? What, what does that look like? I'm, I'm pretty relaxed if with training. It's a few people have sort of pointed it out. I generally sort of see what bunch rides are happening throughout the week and try and tag along to as many of those as possible. But I suppose a typical week for me would be I generally have Mondays off. Um, right. And then Tuesday, I'll do the, the local bunch ride here called the Tuesday Worlds, which is about 100k or so, but quite a few hills, and we have a bit of a race. So that's probably like an intensity session with yep. some short, sharp hills. And then um, Wednesday, Thursday, probably longer rides. Maybe Wednesday, do like a 100, 120k in the hills or something. Yep. Maybe Thursday, like 150. You. Yep. How long Sorry? are these taking you around about? How long are they taking you around about? Oh, it, given... it depends, really. I'd probably normally average for early rides, say 30Ks an hour mm -hmm. okay. for a day with lots of climbing. And then I'd say yep. Thursday, I'd probably do a longer ride, like 150 or so Ks. Yep. And then Friday would be a um, an easier day, maybe just a couple of hours or so, maybe a couple of, eff couple of short efforts. And then Saturday, yep. I would have racing, um, plus some, some kilometers as well. So generally, we'd have... 150 200 k's with you know an 80k race in there which is a, a really good yeah. session and then sunday's a bit sort of just um but like thursday sort of a long long slow ride so that's right. probably a typical week but that's very very general and that does change a lot so yeah that's right at, at, at the end of the day you're still riding your bike lots aren't you yeah yeah and, and just waking up every day and sort of assessing sort of how i feel and what i think i need to do and, and make a decision on, on what i what i do for training because i've, I've coached myself for long, long time now, many, many years. Um, I was coached by Terry Jide originally in the start, um, and I've probably been doing my own thing for what, probably eight years now. Okay, yep. yep. Yeah, Do you get some years, feedback so, yeah. from others? Do you get a bit of feedback That's or do you have with others, et cetera, just to go, just in terms of reflect on how you're going and what you're doing, or actually? Um, um, I th yeah, I think I'm at the stage now where people tend to not give me advice. Um, which, is, which is kind of funny, you know, because advice is always good. It's always good to hear what people say. Um, but you always talk to people and people are always, you know, talking to me and we have bunch rides and things where you might spend four hours riding with someone and you can't yeah, help yeah. talking about training and what people are doing and there's always a bit of, bit of gossip and a bit of chatter going around. And it's interesting to hear yeah, what yeah. sessions people are doing. Um, yep. Yeah, there's certainly some interesting ideas and training has changed a lot and evolved, but I tend to stick to the, the basics really just – Bit of volume, bit of intensity, bit of rest, and then race. So, yeah. 
and obviously that keeps you fresh, doesn't it? And then it means that you can manage the weather and all those sorts of things as well and keep it yeah. fun. Do you, do you do much on the indoor trainer at all? Like that's really kind of taken off in the last few years, especially. Um, yeah, very, I kind of yeah, just discovered that really, to be honest. I'm still quite new to it, but um, certainly I don't like the indoor trainer. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I'd rather ride in the rain. But if you're doing an indoor yeah. training session, particularly like a race on Zwift or whatever, then you actually go back and look at the numbers you're doing. It's actually really, really good quality riding. So then they can't get away from that. So if it's good quality riding and you can't get those sort of numbers unless you're racing, even if it is on the training. So if you do need some yeah. race cars, there's a really good way to do that. So it's a bit of a love-hate thing, I guess, for me. Yeah, but I guess it keeps it different, doesn't it? It keeps it, you mix it up as a result of that. Um, so that's, yeah. a, that's a good yeah. thing. It's the same old ride again. I think that's the thing, and it keeps sort of the body guessing. It's different muscle groups and things, and the way you ride on the train is a bit different. And I suppose I'm still quite used to it, quite new to it, so I'm not fully used to it yet. And I sort of feel like I've, you know, it gets the better of me a lot of times. But the more I do it, the more I get used to it, the more the body kind of gets that feeling. Um, yeah, the, the more the easier it is. So maybe in maybe in six, 12 months, I'll start enjoying it. So yeah yeah no good stuff uh do you how do you measure your progress how do you know that you're sort of going quite well do you do any testing do you do any ftp testing or um or do you have sort of specific power numbers you look to aim for over certain clients or whatever what do you do there um i'm pretty good at just sort of i mean i've been doing it long enough now that i can just go for a ride and i can see the sort of power numbers i'm doing and the the times up climbs versus how i feel and, and that's ultimately the the best sort of gauge of how you're feeling um i don't tend to do any testing as such in specific testing but yeah. to me every ride's a test every ride you've got to ask yourself how am i feeling what would i be like to be doing different what should i be doing differently is there something i should be doing differently and every ride just sort of get a bit of a a bit of an idea of how you're going it's important to, to always sort of objectively think about how you're feeling um on each ride because it all adds up for sure yeah, nice. Do you have a sort of key go-to workout that you do on a weekly basis, being a like a strength-based session on the hills, or or like actually my race is my key go-to session in the week? Like, is there is there something there that you make sure that you do on a weekly basis? Yeah, I think definitely a couple of intensity sessions a week is, is really key because that's when you really um, can get a feel for how you're going. You can do as many yeah. of those sort of long rides as you want but at the end of the day racing is high intensity and racing is what you're training for so unless you're doing some high intensity stuff you don't know how you're going to perform in the races so that's where i like the, the tuesday morning bus ride we do we always have a bit of a race around the bays and it's always good to see sort of how i'm feeling there and it's, it's a loop i've done you know regularly since i was you know 16 years old so i know that road yeah. pretty well i know how i should be feeling on each climb and that sort of thing and, yeah. and definitely the saturday racing too because the end of the day there's nobody testing racing so i always try and jump for club races even if they're yeah. short even if they're 40ks even if they don't suit me if they're totally flat and it's always good to, to actually go out and push yourself in a race situation so any any yeah. chance i get to race i'll always take so is there anybody that's gonna sort of uh ruffle your feathers on some of those sort of tuesday morning they're always giving it heaps or 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 do you have it your own way these days so how does that go um, no definitely to, to make yeah. it, it depends how you ride so i'd normally you know you might have like I don't know, seven or eight kind of kind of key climbs, anywhere from sort of 30 seconds to, to five minutes. And I'd normally sort of go hard up one and then wait for everyone and then race someone else up the next one and someone else would come forward. And then, or you can do a big long turn on the flats and sort of wear the legs down a bit. And then you have to race someone up the climbs. And it's a, it's a perfect sort of test really. And then obviously you've got the, 
the last push off Evans Pass, which is always good if you really want to try and enter the tank. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the right. So that's what's really good. You can kind of make that ride as hard as you want to. So that's what I think is really good about it. Yeah, nice, nice. That, that, that's awesome. Um, in terms of, do you, do you have one key session that you're like, yep, I'm ready for Tour of Southland? Like something that you did as a as a precursor to the event at all, or is it actually just collective training that you did over over the course of time to say that yep, I'm ready? Yeah, I'd, I'd normally like to do like a longer sort of four to five hour ride or quite a bit of hills, like say two thousand plus meters of climbing, and do some efforts over those hills because what's really important is how you feel after those three or four hours. So yeah. if I can do a good solid three or four hours at you know two hundred and fifty to three hundred watts, and then do an effort up a climber, I can effort up a climber, I can hold so 450 for 10 plus minutes. Um, then I'm definitely not feeling pretty good. So it's always easy to do good numbers when you're feeling fresh at the start of the ride after 20 minutes, but doing it after four hours, three to four hours of decent riding, that's that's the real test for me. So definitely normally like a Sunday, I'd go out and do a, a long ride in the hills after sort of Port Levy or something like that here in, here in Canterbury, right. and then yep. yeah, sort of ride hard up the climbs at the end. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah, nice, nice. And you definitely know whether you're going well or not after a ride like that, that's for sure. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah, such steep hills as well, which is good because you can't ride on them. You can't really get over the gear that easily. So if you can if you can make those climbs, you know, feel okay, then you know you're going pretty well. Yeah, nice, nice. You won Tour of Southland in 2018, 19, second last year. The goal this year was obviously win on GC. How confident were you coming into, into the race prior to kickoff? Um, I definitely knew I had good legs, that's for sure. I knew I had the legs, if not better than the, the previous years that I'd won the race. So I knew if I didn't win, it wouldn't be because I wasn't strong enough. It would be because of, you know, someone else having an absolute blunder or, or getting a bit of luck or me having some bad luck or something like that. It's But it's certainly not, not a race where you can take anything for granted. So you've got to be prepared for all scenarios. And, and having the right legs is just sort of one part of the equation. You've also got to Take all the boxes with equipment. You got to have the right team. You got to have the right sort of people around and all that sort of thing as well. So it's definitely a multifaceted approach you've got to take to, to that race. Yeah. How does the team put together? Like, how are you involved in that? Because obviously that's a key part of whether I'm going to win this or, or actually it's going to be really tough for me this year. How does that go? Yeah. So generally the team managers who are Brendan Ackroyd and Steve Keys for us this year, um, they basically call me up and say, say you know, Tourist Southland's going up, of course, you know. Um, who would you like to have yeah. in your team? And I sort of say, well, who do you guys think? So it's always good to get other people's feedback as well. You know, who's going good from down in the Cargill? Who's who's going good in the area? Um, yeah. They put some names out there. I put some names out there, and we just sort of talk about it and sort of yeah make a decision based on on our goals, which is pretty much always the GC um, GC thing. So obviously you need you need guys that are good on the climbs. You need guys that are strong on the flats. You need guys with a bit of experience. It's always good to have some young guys there as well, just sort of because it's not all about winning. It's always nice to, to see some other riders progress and, and grow throughout the tour as well. So it's always good to have a couple of young guys. And yep. yeah, just try and have a, a good balance in the team, but also sort of all bases covered for the week. Nice. So obviously with the young guys in there, that, that team culture must be important to you as well, just to make sure that you actually enjoy the tour and, and make sure everyone's getting something out of it rather than just sort of your goals. Yeah, that's. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I think the way you get the most out of someone is is, is to make them want to do their job. In this case, of how yeah. do you make them want to do what they're doing? That's when you get 105 percent out of someone as opposed to 100 percent, and that's what you need. So it's about having a good team atmosphere, a good team environment, and and sharing jokes and things. And and I also try to give everyone a, a chance to get something out of the tour. 
So you might have yep. someone that turns up that really wants to win a stage and I say, all right, if you want to win a stage, this is your chance. This is the stage you should do it and we'll support you 100% if that's what you want to do. Or you might have someone wants to go for a jersey, a sprint host jersey or whatever. And I'm quite happy to lead someone out for a sprint, a sprint prem or whatever or we'll help them there because I know that if I do that for them, then when I ask for something back, they'll give me 105%, which is, which is what I want. And this means that they're not just hanging on for the tour. They're not just sitting in and, and uh, hoping I don't get dropped. They're actually coming forward to have a crack at things as well, isn't it? That's the thing. Like, yeah, you think you have to give everyone a job. That's really important because at the end of the day, at the end of the stage, most people are going to get dropped anyway. So there's only going to be 5% of the field left. So if someone can do a job, whether it's leading into a gravel section or getting some bottles or, or giving up a spare wheel or something, and then if they get dropped, you know, at least they sort of finish the stage saying, yeah, we've got dropped, but... I did my job as opposed to just saying I hang on as long as I could and, and just got dropped at the end. So definitely it's, it's good for guys. It sort of gives them a feeling of, of purpose and achievement. And that, and that, and I think it keeps the keeps the motivation up, which is really important. So, yeah, I think on the tour itself, and it tends to be the head that goes, I think, for a lot of people more so than the league. So if you can keep the head, yep. head screwed on right and keep people motivated and, and in the game, then, then that's, that's the biggest thing. And what happens to them when they get dropped? Is Obviously, there must be a time limit they have to be in by. So you've still got to keep riding. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I say, I say get dropped, but generally it's a selection on the front of, you know, maybe five or ten guys. So um, it's not as if, I mean, some days you do have, you know, sort of times where there is sort of people are getting dropped in ones and twos for 150k. And those are the real tough days, but generally the racing progressively gets harder and then in the end, the last sort of hour or so that if you guys will, will ride away. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's probably the, how it goes. But there is a time limit on all the stages. But as long as you're not sort of you know taking the mickey and, and riding super slow just to recover, then generally you're, you're fine. So generally, um, people sort of get tailed off the back in groups and they they ride together to the finish and they're, and they're okay. Yeah, nice, nice. How did the um, tour unfold for you this year? How did you ride the early stage of the tour with you and the team? Yeah, certainly the the first two stages. Um, well, sorry, stage one. So we had the the prologue around Queen's Park that was wet, and then stage one, which was the circuit race that was also very wet. Um, the circuit race was a new stage. Um, when you've done the tour as many times as me, and um, you sort of start to get used to things, and you start to see sort of patterns and trends, and when they put in new stages, it kind of makes you think quite a bit. Um, but it was certainly a stage that we just sort of had to get through without any dramas or any troubles, because if you've got a wet circuit race like that around Queen's Park with lots of manhole covers and, and sort of painted lines and things. It gets quite slippery. And at that stage of the tour, everyone thinks they are the room with the chance. Everyone thinks that's their year. So everyone's sort of going carefully to try and stay at the front. And you always you always have crashes in those situations, which we did have a couple of crashes, but luckily we avoided them. And I just sort of said to everyone, it's not the day to win the tour. We just want to make sure we don't lose it. So that was the big thing. And then obviously, yeah, sorry, you had the gravel um, stage as well. Um, I, you're breaking up a little bit there, Michael. You got me now? Sorry, Michael. You're just breaking up a little bit there. Um, if Jess is there, maybe give me a bit of a look and see that was not just me. Um, so, yeah, just give us a little bit of an overview on that. You're just breaking up a little bit there. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, I suppose you're the first thing to keep in. How are we looking? You got me? Yeah, I think. Are we good now? Yep, I think that's there? right there. Sorry, uh, we just had a bit of a glitch okay, there. Fine. Maybe you went through a tunnel or something. I think we're back on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so um, the first couple of days was just about staying out of trouble, to be honest. And um, obviously, they were quite wet stages, so we just wanted to make sure we didn't um, 
have any issues. And I said to everyone, it wasn't a day to, to win the tour. We just wanted to make sure we didn't lose it. So staying at the front and avoiding crashes and, and staying out of trouble was, was the key thing so early on in the race. Hello. Sorry, I think we've lost you there, Michael. Uh, Jess, do you want to just come back in there if you can hear us? Hello, yeah, is, yes. Have we, is that just my internet or is that Michael's internet? How are we shooting for there? I think it might be yours, sorry, Richard. It seems to be oh, receiving well Oh, online. perfectly fine. Okay, right, <laughs> great. Okay, well, that's my fault. Sorry about that. Um, that's, that's cool. Okay, well, um, yeah, if you want to jump in and ask the next kind of question or so, um, I missed that a little bit and uh, I'll come back in when things clear up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I was kind of interested to know how you go communicating when you're on the tour. So how do you communicate between your teammates? Yeah, so often in the bigger races, we'd have race radios, which is great because oh, yeah. we'd push button. You've got a direct line to everyone on the team as well as, well as the director on the team car. And yeah. so you can pretty pretty instantly really sort of get messages across and see how people are feeling and, and, and see what the plan is. And everyone can get on the same page quite easily. But... And the smaller races like Tour of South, and we don't have that luxury. So that um, just really highlights the importance of keeping everyone together. It um, highlights the importance of keeping everyone together in the bunch. Um, because if someone's within the airshot of you, you can, you can give them a message quite easily. Um, uh, often yeah. you see teams that are everyone pretty close, but not exactly on the wheel. And when it's like that, you can't relay messages as easy and as quickly. So definitely having everyone right there is the big thing, but also you can go back to the team car as well. So you've got your director behind in the car following and they can always pass some messages. So it's good to um, regularly send people back and they get the information from the commissaries with time gaps and, and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great. Is there, you know, was there a part of the, was there a stage in this year's tour that you kind of were most proud of? You're like, yeah, I nailed that. Um, I think the time trial for me was probably the yeah. big thing because that was the stage where I sort of set myself a bit of a goal, uh, quite a lofty goal as well. I sort of said to the guys the night before I said tomorrow I'm going to ride a, a 15 minute 30 around that course, which was a course record by a decent margin. And I don't think anyone really doubted me, but I think people were sort of, you know, they, they were sort of impressed that I was sort of even, even thinking about that. So that's what motivates me. And so I always like to go for the goals that people think are, lofty you know it's not not so much unachievable but i think if everyone thinks you can do what you want to do then it's not not yeah. special but if people sort of you know have a bit of, a bit of doubt or they question whether you can do it that's what really motivates me so that was my big thing with that race and particularly because up to that point i hadn't really had to do too much so it was really nice to get to do a stage um that i was really proud of yeah, so you said that that was a stage record by quite a margin who had the previous record and what was it do you know uh, Hamish Bond, I think, had it in a 1551. Um, right. so yeah, but he, seconds off him. yeah, I mean, he, he did have a wet day to be fair as well, and I think it was a bit windier. So, I mean, you never know what he could have done. I mean, I'm sure it would have been some sort of time 1530 odd, but yeah, definitely because we've had that time on the tour for, for so many years now. It's you know, there's been plenty of times posted, and I think being at the end of the race on the last stage, it really shows a lot about who's done the work and who's the freshest and who's the most prepared because anyone can ride fast around the air on day one, but come come day day six, day seven, it's a different story. So again, it's about having a really good team to protect you throughout the week. So you're um, in good stead for that, that time trial. 
So it doesn't just mean that you're you're super fast and you're you're fired up and you've got good gear and all that sort of stuff. It's actually about what's gone before and how you've managed that. So 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 a key part of that management strategy is actually your recovery, isn't it? So it's yes, it's the efforts that you put in, but it's also recovery. So talk us through your recovery protocol. How do you do that? What how does that look for you? Is it the same every time? Does it vary a little bit? What do you do? Yes, so the key thing for recovery, I think, to remember is that it generally depends how how thick you turn up to the race. So most of the recovery, your recovery capacity is is sort of governed by what you've done leading up to the event. So that's why it's really important to do the long rides, the back-to-back rides, because if you haven't done the work, you're just not going to recover no matter what you do. So so that's always the main thing to remember. I think people sort of try and shortcut that sometimes with certain things, you know, devices and certain drinks and things and, and whatnot but the key things to turn up super fit and from there it's just a case of good quality food um, good sleep and just the basics really there's unfortunately no magic bullets with recovery it's just about looking after your, your body and 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 yes being sensible so is it like i'm going to go for a, like a, a warm down spin for 10 minutes and then i'm going to get some food into me like is like what how does that work for you yeah, I, I generally like to have some like some some simple sugar straight away, um, handful yeah. of lollies or a coke or something like that, and then just do at least sort of five ten minutes just easy spinning on the bike. Afterwards, yeah. it does depend what stage it's been. Like if it's a really hot stage, it's always good to get some some fluids in as quick as possible, um, because you always lose a little bit of fluid fluid throughout the race, no matter how much you drink. Um, yeah. If it's been a hard race, that hilltop finish, it's really important to do a bit of a spin down afterwards. Um, I mean, yep. everyone, everyone's different, of course, but certainly for me, I think those are probably the key things because the recovery definitely starts as soon as you exit. I think the recovery starts before you cross the finish line. If you're coming into the, the last 5K of a race and a tour and you've got the opportunity to take a gel, it might not help you at that moment, but it's going to help you for the next day. So even the food you eat throughout stages, it's going to help you for the following stages. So you've almost got to constantly think about, you know, looking after yourself for the following stages rather than just what's in front of you. Yeah, good. So you're not so low. You're not not completely ruined by the time you get to the end. So that's part of that sort of looking after yourself situation, isn't it? Yeah, I think dehydration is probably the, the key thing. You know, like if you finish the stage totally dehydrated, then it doesn't matter what you do in your recovery. You're not gonna not gonna bounce back good the next day. And it's a way to avoid that is to drink well throughout the race. So yeah, it's just highlights that point that what you do throughout the, the race or the stage is important for the, the following days too. Nice, nice. Let's let's talk a little bit more about pound numbers. You've mentioned those on some of the training rides, but with the advent of Zwift and things, a lot of people actually understand pound numbers more than what they ever have before. So how do you use power in a seven-day tour um, tour of Southland stage race? How do you do you look at that? Do you manage that or do you just play it as the race unfolds? How do you go there? Um, to be honest, it's just something that I use as a bit of guide. I think like I've had out on my bikes pretty much all the time since I've since I started, to be honest. So yeah, ten plus years, almost fifteen years now. So I can pretty much ride and, and guess what power I'd be doing pretty accurately. Um the only thing that sort of can play with me a wee bit is if the power meter's reading wrong by say 10, 20 percent or something like that. Um, because then I can start to think that is it giving me the right number and I'm just not having a good day or or what. But I think the good thing with power meter is definitely um, keeping control of your efforts is probably the big thing. So if you're doing, say, a 20-minute climb, it's really good to look at that power meter in that first five minutes and just make sure you don't push yourself too far into the red. But at the end of the day, you know, a race is a race and you just got to go as hard as you can. So, yeah, I think power meters do have their, have their benefits, but I think some people probably over-exercise it. 
Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, pacing yourself early, isn't it? That's the key thing. When you're keen and enthusiastic, and I guess especially at the start of the tour as well, not to burn too many matches yeah. early on. Yeah, that's definitely the key. I mean, I think, like I keep saying, that I've done, done so many times now that I sort of know that instinctively anyway, not to go too hard too early. So certainly for people that are, are new to the sport, it's a really good tool to use for, for that pacing uh, side of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did that happen? Like that, uh, I guess if your numbers are way wrong, you just completely ignore them. Um, but did that happen in the tour for you this time around or has it happened in the past? Yeah, a couple of times in the tour, actually. I heard a bit of bad luck there, I suppose. Um, the remarkable stage at the climb, I had different chain rings on, uh, slightly smaller ones, um, p- partly because we raced the Bluff Hill climb the next day, and I kind of only like to change the chain rings once, and so I get those the benefit of the two days there. So I had smaller chain rings on there, and it was giving me some low numbers going up the climb, sort of not not massively low, probably that 20% or so, 10%, which sort of made me ask questions of myself. Um, but yeah, um, at the end of the day, like I knew I was, I was sort of dropping people one by one, and, and that I was in, in the in the hunt for uh, the yellow jersey to keep the yellow jersey. So that, that was the main thing. But yeah, it's always good to sort of when you find that out after after the stages that your power meter was wrong, you're not just having having a bad day. So, yeah. So here you are climbing the hill, going. Actually, I'm I'm really rubbish. My legs are useless today, but you're still pinging people off the back. So actually, I must be doing okay. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it was probably under reading by probably 100 watts or so at the time. So I probably should have should have realised that it was obviously not right. But you know, you always sort of ask yourself those questions, and also when when your heart rate's super high and you just try and get the, the finishes as quick as possible, often the sort of the reason reasoning goes out the window, and you often don't don't make the most sensible decisions, or you can't see things as clearly. So you sort of instantly think that oh, I'm just having a bad day, and if these are the legs I got for the rest of the tour, then I'm in a bit of trouble. But yeah, luckily it was it was okay. And at the end of the day, like I say, you know, if you have a, a good result, that's the main thing rather than the, the numbers you're doing. Nice work, Michael. Um, we've got a couple more questions to finish off with, but just before we do, um, this is more for those people that are watching us right now. Do you want to just dive across and flick the light switch on? Because he's the sun's gone down in your place. Oh, um, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. And that's a bit of a oh there we are. It's a bit of a test to see okay. how you're moving. You are moving pretty well actually. <laughs> yeah. Recovery recovery's going right. So oh that's good. Good, good, good. So um so cool. what does it take? What do you think it takes to ride the tour? Who could do it? I mean, could I do it? Um I think I think yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the experience is the thing. So positioning yeah. and being in the right spot and, and knowing what's what's coming up because often I think times people when people struggle is because they don't know what what they're sort of getting in for with with regard to sort of crosswinds and climbs and hard moments of the race and I think if you can anticipate those things or at least start at the front so you get a bit of a head start then it, that the race mm-hmm. becomes a lot easier um, and again that's another reason to keep the team together because the more together runners and the more at the front they are then quicker you can react to things when when they do happen so. And that's another reason why I think it's not such a bad thing to take the yellow jersey quite early in the race because it means you can stay on the front and you have the best view of the race and what's going on from the front. So, yeah. And, and okay. less likely to crash, et cetera, as well. Is there, is there a certain mm. sort of level that people need to be, like a, hey, FTP of this sort of thing for those watching? Um, or or, or uh, is it, hey, I should be riding A grade in the local club races? What, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of sort of few masters riders that, that generally finish, um, you know, kind of okay. So, I mean, I would think that anyway, you didn't need an FTP of at least probably 330 watts, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. um, yep. for the tour. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to know because I'm, you know, sort of quite above that, and it depends obviously on your weight and what you want to get out to her as well. But mm. yeah, I mean, it's not the sort of race you really want to do just as a bucket list thing. I don't think like you want to go there and you want to do it justice and you want to go and get involved. And yeah, I mean, yep. everyone's sort of got their own agendas and things. But for me, I think it's you know it's the the pinnacle of our sport in New Zealand, and we want these riders to be there and we want to see riders who are really taking it on and and doing it justice rather than riders that are just sort of trying to, you know, make up the numbers as such. And it's like a national championships, you know, like you go there to, to be a part of the race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. Perfect. So maybe, maybe, maybe not. That might be the answer, Jess, for you and I. I think that's a solid answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh, where to next? Yeah, so you had to ask. Where to next, Michael? What's your next move? Um, so I'll, um, I've just signed a new contract with the team. I don't think I can say anything, so I better not just so I don't get in trouble. Um, but yep. that'll be out in the next couple of weeks and I'll be, I'll be back in Europe next year, which is, which is pretty exciting. So yeah, as I was yeah. saying earlier on, it'll be good to be back in Europe with sort of being a bit older and wiser and, and seeing what I can do, but also sort of passing on my knowledge and experience to the, the younger guys in the team, because we do have quite an exciting team of of guys and there's some some younger guys for some older guys and we've got climbers we've got sprinters we've got everything in there so it's quite a good mix and a, big, a good dynamic so it'll be really good to sort of you know share my my knowledge around and and yeah try and lift everyone on the team and i heard a rumor also that you're heading uh back to your roots ride the mountain bike for the walker 100 in january That's, yeah uh, hopefully i don't have a bike at the moment so if someone can get me a bike for the season then i'll be more than happy to do it so we're trying to work that out but um, yeah, it's hard at the moment because no one has any stock or anything, and mm. I'm not that much of a tight ass really to go and buy my own bike. So yeah, I'm sure we can, I'm sure we can uh, organise something there for you. Uh, might be that uh, giant mountain bike that I giant anthem that I haven't ridden enough recently. We'll, uh, we'll hook that up. I'm sure it, it looks fast. I'm sure it could go fast, especially with some decent legs on it. Yeah, I can, I can test it for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's awesome hey uh, i really really appreciate your time michael super cool to get a bit of an insight on your experience your background where you've what it was what it's like to ride the tour and also where you're off to next so so all the best really looking forward to following your journey and um and uh hopefully cheering on and next year's tour of southland as well you know thanks to you guys too it's always good to sort of share sort of what i've done and where i've been and what i'm what i'm, what I'm up to and that sort of thing so yeah thanks for the opportunity to come and come on and sort of um, yes, yeah, to share my experiences and um, maybe debunk a few myths and things that seem to get around with the high level racing. So, um, yeah, always happy to have a chat and, and thanks you guys for giving me the time. Nice. Hey, just before you go, we've got a quick five that I just about slipped away oh, yeah. from. Quick five questions, throw at you. Uh, not allowed to think too hard about them, but what's your favorite go to breakfast? Go to breakfast? Uh, go to breakfast. Porridge. Nice. Nice. Yeah. What's your favorite event? First half one. Nice. Favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, Always I actually don't know, to be honest. Obviously, um, a connoisseur of ice cream. Yeah, we were sponsored by Deep South through Kelly's this year, so we had a quite a selection of premium ice creams available. <laughs> so um, we maybe, had all sorts of flavors we never even heard of. So, right, let's maybe go. You just need to continue let's go cookies and cream. Oh, okay. yes. Yeah, let's just go cookies yes. and cream. Cool. Fancy meal out or home-cooked meal? Ah, uh, home-cooked. Great. Nice. And what's your favourite ride? Final question. Um, 
anything with, with good company, to be honest. Like, even if it's raining, if it's hills right, if it's a flat ride, as long as I've got a few people around that I can talk to and have some laughs and share some stories, then, then I'm happy. So, yeah. Easy. Good job. Awesome. Cool. Okay, take care. Thanks for joining Thank us, Michael. Cool. And we'll catch up with Bye. you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Awesome. Okay, good. Thanks for thanks great. for um, jumping in there, Jess. You did super well um, as as I went through my tunnel. Thought it was Michael, but it was clearly me. That's all right. That's all right. I thought you were just doing some miming impressions, but um, we got there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's awesome. What was your key takeaway from that, Jess? Recovery. Absolutely. The, the, kind of one of the final questions you asked on recovery and um, his point on, you know, doing the work. You're going to recover faster if you've put it, done the hard work and um, your, body, your body's ready and um, it's going to make that recovery a whole lot easier. Yeah, that's right. He yeah. talked, it was pretty simple about sort of his approach and how he, how he did things and obviously his recovery mm -hmm. as well, but it was more about actually, yeah, uh, training well and, and putting the hard yards in, which is pretty pretty awesome. So clearly he's a, um, pretty motivated. Yeah. yeah, and some big goals. And, uh, yeah, really wish him all the best. It's going to be exciting to see how he goes when he gets back to Europe. Absolutely. And um, I feel more motivated now already to get out on my bike. So, yeah. Yeah. How good. How good. Right. So, okay. uh, Julianne Serenitas is sitting in the um, in the background there and uh, keen to have a chat, Jules, about the Five Passes Tour. Um, I might need to get you to get up and walk to the light switch and back again to see how well you walk. Michael is pretty good. <laughs> What about if I go on my wheelie chair like this? <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, Perfectly the legs are working. <laughs> <laughs> the legs are My legs are sore. <laughs> no good. I'll let you know that. Looks like you've recovered very well. How was it? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. I suggest before you do a uh, tour of Southland, try five passes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us about the five passes tour. Um, what is it about for those that haven't heard of it before? Okay, so it's a four-day stage race from Christchurch to the West Coast, to Greymouth, and back again. So that covers about just over 600 k's of, yeah, 600 k's and, uh, what would you say, 5,000? 5, oh, yeah, come out uh, at 5,800 metres of climbing. So I'll give you 6,000 metres, Jules. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's something that I've always seen on, um, you know, through Facebook and, and certainly you've had um, team through Team CP and coaches that have done it. And I thought, oh, that always looks good. And and later yeah. years, probably friends that have tackled it. And I thought, oh, yeah, next year I'm going to do it. So this was the year sure. and yeah. um, certainly no regrets. And, yeah, what a tour it was. It was fantastic. Nice. How how are you supported? Because it's because uh, it's what they have 120 riders or so is the maximum. So it's not no, no. Um, 100 maximum. So it's a it's a perfect number. Um, so we were so fortunate to to get away with the event under level two. Cherie yep. Stephen does a um, fantastic organisation, and her crew of 20 are just mind blowingly fantastic. Everything is catered for. That's your meals, your accommodation, your washing. Um, yep. your bags you don't have to lift a finger for everything they're just I can't speak highly enough of them and I think that's what yep. makes the tour so special is that you're so well looked after and um, especially on the days of you know coming to Arthur's Pass when it's soaking wet and she've got, she's got hot tubs there with fish and chips and white bait fritters <laughs> and you know um, just yep. amazing yeah 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 so good that, that really makes it those little touches 
Yeah, the other thing that's really important to mention is obviously Ted, who's um, the traffic management dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, don't like to make him grumpy, and we all behaved ourselves, I think, on mostly over the four days. But yeah, with knowing that the the traffic management is taken care of as well is a huge um, reassuring factor as well, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're going over the viaduct and you know you've got big trucks and yeah, so you know you've got cars following behind in front. So, yeah, everything yeah, is just right. it, taken care of. It's broken into bits, isn't it? So there's an A grade, a B grade, a C grade, et cetera. So you obviously yes. have cars in different bits uh, following you. So, I mean, it's open road, isn't it? And uh, yes. as you say, the big trucks, et cetera. So good to be able to ride those iconic climbs effectively in a safe environment. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your background, Jules? Uh, what have you done before? What training did you do? We talked about recovery and Michael like riding lots. What, what was what was your background, and then and how did you prepare for this? Um, I started looking at it probably back in June. Um, yeah. If I sort of did it all myself, I probably would have overtrained. But um, under the yeah. the guidance of Elise Fraser, who's a fantastic coach, and oh. it's nice to have someone that you can just put your complete faith and trust in. So whatever was in my training picks, I did it. <laughs> um, Good so on you. Okay. Yeah, started off about uh, June, and I guess I had a, a bit of endurance coming into that uh, winter months, um, and it was just sort of building on that, I guess, and heading out in group rides, like Michael said, but also doing your work, like you know, you're, you're doing your, your tempo stuff, um, sweet spot, and then you sort of as you get close, a few thresholds and efforts. Um, yep. But, yeah, having those sort of weekend longer rides that are a little bit more endurance up over the hills and, and then as we sort of got closer, maybe a, a month out, you'd do two or three endurance rides and then maybe throw in a few more efforts, like another hour worth, um, yeah. just to, for that intensity to simulate what can happen in a race environment and, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and ultimately in training that's what we're trying to do is actually simulate what you're going to do on race day. So, so going yeah. through that and putting your body and mind through your paces. For sure. And I think, you know, for, for someone like myself, sort of that middle age, that later forties um, and being female, I think to, you know, getting into the gym as well as like cycling is um, obviously non-weight bearing. So looking after your bone density and getting into the gym and lifting weights is also really important and obviously your diet and, and looking at that. And that's probably an area that I really need to improve on still. And um, certainly in day two, which was our, our big day of 217, looking back, I don't think I fueled enough. And okay. I think I sort of paid and suffered for that a little bit. But um, yeah. yeah, you learn from these sorts of things. And um, just listening to Michael, you know, what he says, it makes such a difference, obviously, what you've eaten going into something like this and during and I think it's during that I struggle to probably take more food on board but um, yeah things to improve on good to to have things to improve on to go and do it better and and uh, and see how good you can go what was the goal going into it what's what was the plan of attack going into this event Um, I think for me I think you've got to play to your strengths and I I was in a fantastic group of women um, yay, Skoda Canterbury, uh, organised by Julia Spark. She's a fantastic cool. um, rider. Great bunch yeah. of girls, uh, a lot of them triathletes, so super fit. Um, yeah. And so I was honest to be honoured to be asked by her. And yeah, we sort of, I guess personally, I sort of thought, yeah, I'd like to give the sprint jersey a real crack. I think that's yeah. probably where my strength lies. 
and um, yeah, that's what I went for. That's what I wanted, and that's what I got. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> what was the competition like? And then he says, "Oh, that's really good, Jules, that you got your um, you know, your, your goal ticked off." But you know, look at your GC standings; they're a bit <laughs> down the order there. <laughs> yep. Yep. And what was your comeback to that? Actually, uh, I'm just actually... Well, I got a punch on the first day, which took half an hour <laughs> for me <laughs> to, to sort out. Um, yep. Did try to fix it myself, but uh, fortunately we had... And that's the other thing. We've got great rider support. So we had yep. um, Richard Lawson, Paul Odlin, um, Jason Wilson. Yep. Yeah, so lots of... you know, And the mechanic as well. So they, they come through. Any riders that are broken down, they help out. Um, unfortunately, I just managed to get through the, the first day sprint and then 18 Ks from the finish I punctured. And so on the yep. sideline, <laughs> yeah, took me a while to get crack again. So that's my excuse. Half an hour down on day one, you're never going to make that up. <laughs> right, okay. So so it's not that you didn't and you couldn't. It's just actually, well, there's no point. Actually, I could have ride those hills and I probably could have won it, but I chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> nice story. No, um, I think, yeah, for me, it was just going for that green jersey. And I probably, if I'm honest with myself, didn't go so hard. There's a few stages there that I thought, oh, yeah, let's let's give them a crack. And, you know, finished, you know, reasonably well. Um, but for me, it's just all about the community of riders that you're with, meeting new people, the socialising the taking in the scenery, it's just beautiful, you know, part of New Zealand to, to cycle around, particularly around uh, Lewis Pass, which is probably my favourite, coming from that, um, into that downhill phase of 30 k. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so good, so good. Um, what was the weather like, Jules? Uh, on the West Coast, it can be anything this time of year. Um, tell us about that. How did you cope? Was it beautiful so sunny the whole days, time? Yeah, so the first two days were were cracking hot actually um yeah from here to to Hamner um then the wind picked up and day two which is our, our longest stage oh there was another story about that but I'm sure <laughs> um yeah day two was pretty good that was sunny came into Greymouth perfect and then we heard day three which was coming into the Oterra climb that the rain was going to hit and it, it did um yeah. but yeah weather west coast without a bit of precipitation would it so um <laughs> sheree had organized us to start the day on day three a little bit earlier which was a great move yep. that meant we yep. could just get over the climb get to arthur's jump in the pools and yeah that was the day done so it was just yeah, everything we worked out really well so days three and four are a little bit more more wet yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah nice um, and did you ride your own bike the whole time, or did you choose to uh, mix it up with somebody else's bike? How did that go? I like to mix things up a little, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, there was a good story behind that. I thought after day two, I thought, well, you know, let's charge the DI2, um, all those kind of hills. And thinking I was charging that, I was actually charging my power meter. And wow. uh, so get to the start of the stage, day three, and I'm like, why aren't my gears working? It's just like, oh, no, what have I done? Um, and so, yeah, bike didn't work. And then, fortunately, good old Jason Wilson, who was in the support vehicles, he's like, Jules, you can borrow my trek. Same sort of gearing. Um, it was mechanical. Um, 
rim brakes, but on a wet day, and it's like, oh no! So we adjusted the seat, and off we went. <laughs> God, that's that's your option, either that or you're running. So it's slightly better than that. Yeah, and I do have to say two big ups to Marcus, the timing dude, <laughs> because um, I didn't have my timing chip. I was obviously on my right. original okay. yep. and so everything was sort of done manually. And um, yeah. so I had to take my word for it in the, in the sprints, and I'm sure a few people radioed in to back that up, yeah, I hope. So I still own it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice work. No, that's good. And uh, and uh, just making it work at the end of the day, DI2 was the electronic gears for those that don't know as well. So the gears weren't changing. You only had one gear. On, um, so, yeah, it's quite important. Yeah. So it's not helpful when you go into a sprint and you're a little scared, is it? <laughs> You've frozen on me, Richard. <laughs> I'll come back in because he does seem to be frozen. Although yes, I have yes. a smile. Good night, is he? <laughs> <laughs> so what was the viaduct climb like? Well, it's, it's funny because I actually had a bit of a, a head game after not having my own bike. I was thinking, oh, man, you know, different bike. How am I going to get up there? Should I do it? Should I not? Raining. Making all yeah. the excuses, Jess. Yeah. And talking to Jason, he's like, come on, you can do it. And, you know, a few other people, it's like, yeah, you can do it. I'm like, yeah, what, I haven't come all this way not to do it. So um, I actually really enjoyed it. I just, yeah, hopped on my bike and pedaled and, yeah, it was great. Took in the views and, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I tried to sort of get to the top and, yeah. How did you feel kind of mentally throughout the different stages? Good. Um, yeah, day two was a, a bit of a struggle for me, Jess. I think, as I say to Richard, I, I probably didn't feel properly. And we mm. had um, a sprint stage about 50Ks into day two, um, which I wanted to to really target. And then we were sort of climbed up to the lowest pass, so it was a bit lumpy. And whether I didn't feel properly after that, um, it was, yeah. So that sort of became... There's probably about 30Ks, 40Ks where I did by, by myself, sort of lost the bunch. And unfortunately, it was downhill, so that was no big issue, but that's when I should have been taking more food on. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, just some quality riders out there, like A-grade, um, coming into to Greymouth, saw me struggling and just sort of, you know, helped me ride, rode with me you know, into yeah. Greymouth. And, you know, that's that was the great thing about this um, tour is that, Riders of all grades just mixing with each other and helping each other out and yeah, fantastic. So yeah, great. Um, do you think you can do it again? Oh, definitely without doubt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyone? And what's the goal for next time, Jules? Is it GC next time? Um, certainly, I'd love to improve my GC standings for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, no doubt. Um, I think, yeah, be a bit better on the, on the climbs and be more competitive overall rather than just target one thing. Um, yep. Happy that I got my goal and happy that I, you know, got through the thing. No no, no worries. Um, but, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, Good. Right. We'll see you back on the start line next year. Yeah. Maybe. Watch this space. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, Jules. Hey, thank you very much for joining us. Love your insights and well done on a fantastic um, oh, last four days. And uh, I'll let you go to bed and have a bit of a lie down now. I think you've definitely earned it. That's great. Hey, thanks for having me.
Thanks for cool. joining. Thank you. Cheers, Joe. Yeah. Bye. Welcome back. Good job. Welcome back for the second time today. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. That was really uh, we've great. Got yeah, absolutely. We do. Is that uh, sorry, Jess, I'm uh, talking over top of you. Is that more your style, maybe, than the tour of Southland? I think so. I think either way, I've got some serious training to do. So, um, yeah, just inspirational round. <laughs> yeah. So, is that um, is that hot pool and hot pools and fish and chips more your style? Oh yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nice work. Um, and speaking of hot pools and fish and chips, should we bring uh, Kushla into the, into the show? <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you getting on, Kushla? I'm very well, thank you. I've enjoyed the discussions tonight. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. How are you getting on? What's been uh, happening in your world in the in the nutrition space recently? Um, not too much to report, to be honest. I feel a bit boring saying that, but there hasn't really been too much. Um, I'm just hoping a few events are going to go ahead soon for all of us. Um, yeah, Valley yeah, Ultras yeah. this weekend, so that's exciting. Yep. But, yeah, it's kind of just same old at this stage. <laughs> mm, that's right, and we're yeah. getting to the end of the year without sort of too many like landmarks of different events to turn up to, Christmas parties even. Um, all of a sudden, Christmas is going to be upon us, isn't it? Mm, yeah yeah it just i don't know from october onwards the year just goes so fast doesn't it yeah yeah that does indeed so you've been busy helping lots of different people with their nutrition and and supporting them um to be their best do you have any tips around cycling uh because it's all been about road cycling tonight which is pretty cool um what you can stuff in your back pocket and and maybe how we should manage our nutrition to make sure as as michael said that we can recover well and then and then go well tomorrow as well yeah, keeping in mind, like, we've had plenty of discussions, I guess, around, you know, the general fueling for endurance-type events. So, you know, you're yeah. during training and practicing and the breakfast before a race and, you know, showing well hydrated, all of that. Put aside, yeah. I was thinking, like, more practically specific cycling-related, um, there are definitely a few things to consider, and I sort of broke it down into, like, I guess, hydration and bottle fuel versus solid yeah. food fuel. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, with, like, your bike, I guess, you know, hydration seems relatively simple because, you know, you just drink from your bottle, easy as. But actually, yep. when you go out and you practice that, it's a little bit more niggly, and that's even with the most basic frame bottle. Um, yes, yes, you yes. throw that into bunt riding, and it's yep. trickier again. Um, yes, that's right. And then there's different bottle setups too because, I mean, if you are you know, got aero bars, you can have your bottle in the middle with the straw that you yep. can refill. <laughs> You can have the bottle holders at the rear of your saddle. Um, yep. You could even, you obviously have the ones on the frame and you could even like have a bladder on your back depending on what type of event you're doing and how confident you feel. Yes, so yes, quite yes. a few different options to feel yourself on a bike and they all certainly yep. need a lot of practice. That's right. And they all, as you say, it depends on which event that you're doing as well and uh, and and what you're looking to try and achieve in that too, doesn't it? But like mm -hmm. the camelback on the, on your back is a great option. It just means that you don't, it, it's hands-free. You basically shove the tube in your mouth and then you can spit it out when you want. So you actually drink properly opposed to trying to do drink bottles in a bunch and you haven't done much bunch riding or, or practice with drink bottles, then that becomes wobbly and you just probably won't drink anything. Definitely. And where it could be really appropriate is I know a lot of people like say in the Mission Mount Summers multi event or coast to coast where it's like a ride to a run 
type event they mm. actually just have like camelbacks on them because they'll carry that through the whole event and then they might have a little top-up bottle on their bike as well and that might just be if you're not as confident you know to use a bottle or it's quite technical on a mountain bike or yeah so there's you know something for everyone um yeah. i guess the good thing with cycling generally speaking is you can tolerate a wider variety of foods just because you're mm. not like running is very jiggly like all your organs are moving around a lot um and mm. the tolerance to food can be a little bit trickier in that circumstance um but cycling you're you know in a fixed position and it can be a little bit easier to eat more variety of you know all sorts of foods um so that's probably yep. a bit of a benefit compared to running and, and, and i guess also on that on that because there's intensity as well intensity is not always mm -hmm. high like running is always like just to be able to run you have to be at a certainly sort of high intensity most of the time whereas whereas you can have periods of downhill or or cruising in the back of the bunch yeah that's very true yeah even running downhill you know it's still well it's probably more technical possibly yeah um but cycling downhill if it's not too steep or in a bunch then yeah it's a chance to sort of refuel a bit more and relax a little bit maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah <clears throat> And then I guess in terms of the food options, like with a bike, it can be really handy to have, I think they're called bento boxes. There might be another word for yeah. them, but other little bags that can sit on your frame. Um, yep. And that allows you to have food right there, easy to grab, you know, one-handed. And thinking about feasible things that you can just grab with one hand so you don't have to take your hands off the handlebars. And that could be, you know, little sandwiches cut up into squares with maybe peanut butter or jam or honey. Um mm -hmm. You could even strap gels to your frame and then you rip them off and as you rip them off, it opens the gel as well. That's quite a good mm -hmm. tip. I actually learned that from Kim. <laughs> um, okay, good, good. Um, and then yep. you obviously have your pockets and your cycle gear as well, which depends what sort of gear you have. You might have lots of pockets or not many. And you can even stick things to your handlebars as well. So like the little cliff blocks, you can lick and stick. <laughs> a little bit gross yeah. maybe, but they do stick for a while so they can be helpful. Yep, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, how you carry things. And I guess it's that pre-unwrapped uh, works really well as well. So you don't have to sort of struggle to do that. And it's it's already in a bite-sized bit as well. Makes a big difference too, doesn't it? So you can actually yeah. just throw it in. And, and if it's easy, you're more likely to as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And having, you know, all the little pieces of muesli bar broken up or like an M's power bar, whatever, just to make it as simple as possible. And you just can so easily feel yourself. Yeah. 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 Nice work. Nice work. Any other sort of key cycling tips? To finish up, Kusha? Yeah, just one thing that would be good to consider, um, thinking about your position, particularly if you're getting more down into the aero position, is reflux. And that's where you may have a transition. Like I'm thinking exactly like something where you're going from a kayak, so you're in a seated position, and then you're suddenly getting down into the aero position. And if you had something in the kayak mm. that may have been more like meal-based, like maybe quite a rich smoothie or like meal replacement, then do practice that in your training of getting onto a bike with that in your stomach and getting into that aero position because with those yeah. richer fuller type formulas it can lead to quite a bit of reflux in that aero seat um so yeah that's an important consideration yeah just i guess that's like anything practice what you're going to use and therefore how's it going to sit with me and also i think one of the other tips the other week was actually train at the intensity and then also have your nutrition as well so it could be in an event uh, like a club race on the weekend but actually i'm trying to use the nutrition that i'm going to have on my longer ride so i actually can i chew it can i actually get it down uh, what how dry is it etc is it palatable yes definitely mm. yeah trainers you would race 
Yeah. Yes, and with gear yes, too, yes. like with cycling shorts, you know, do train in them, make sure they're comfortable because, you know, that cycling gear can be tight. And if that's putting pressure on your abdomen around your stomach, like that can make it quite uncomfortable too. So obviously just make sure your gear's all comfortable and yep. sorted. Yep. Yeah. Bib shorts, etc. No, 100%. No, that's good. Awesome, Kushla. Uh, and are you training for anything? Have you been on the bike much recently? You did a bit of biking last year? <laughs> last year, yeah. Back in February, I think. <laughs> uh, I've done some mountain biking, but to be awesome, fair, yes. I haven't been on my road bike for probably two to three months and then before that it was probably February <laughs> <laughs> that's right and uh and is, have you still got all that skin from your mountain biking adventure mostly I was yeah pretty pretty surprised actually yeah, <laughs> good, good. yeah. sending it I like it well done awesome Krishna. okay well you look after yourself thanks for joining us really appreciate your time once again and if anybody wants to um uh touch base with Kushla, just get a bit more support around there, both both uh, nutrition for sport and running and biking and all those sorts of things, or actually just getting that baseline nutrition sorted, or if there are other things going on, obviously you're a registered dietitian too, so there's lots of things, you can order blood tests, you can, you can do lots of different stuff to help people get their health and wellness sorted as well, can't you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's good, good stuff, so just uh, sing out, uh, through our website, etc., and uh, we'll put you in touch, touch with Kushla and we'll get you humming. Thanks for having me, guys. Good job. Well done. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Kushla. See ya. Nice work. Oh, well great. done, Jess. We made it. Yes, that was a great show. I've honestly learned so much hearing from everyone tonight. It's um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Nice. Sprinting to the finish line now. So, what's your? I asked you your key takeaway after uh, we talked to Michael. Any other sort of key highlights for you? Yeah, with Jules, like the, the benefit of strength training, you know, she said she incorporates that into her training program and it just kind of reiterates that for me, the um, long-term benefits of incorporating good strength training into your general um, training program, no matter what sport that you're training for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you say, like it's actually a um, you're not ha having the impact when you're riding your bike, so actually you still yeah. need to to uh, use all of those muscles and, and challenge them so then your bone health and things is good so so from a performance perspective but also from a health mm -hmm. perspective too is really important isn't it yeah absolutely mm -hmm. nice yeah. work good job um so let us give us some feedback let us know sort of if you've got any questions etc and uh, we've got that true fleece uh, merino prize pack to give away as a result of this evening's show as well so um thanks so much for michael vick julianne simeonidis and kushla holdaway for their fantastic insights and sharing their stories um and thanks for you jess for uh holding the show together gluing us uh, to make sure we keep rolling forward and, and made it work <laughs> and thank <laughs> you richard that was great <laughs> yeah well done. okay thanks team over and out till next week see ya